Well, I don't know if you are aware of this, but there are actually four famous births um, in Bethlehem. Um, and uh, over the next uh, coming weeks, we're going to uh, look at some of them um, and see about them. Some of you, of course, the, the greatest and the, the acme of it all was the birth of our Lord Jesus in Bethlehem. But there were other famous births in or around Bethlehem. So this evening we'll hear the account of the first birth, um, which is the, um, the birth of Benjamin, the twelfth and last son of the patriarch Jacob. You'll need to turn in your Bibles to the 35th chapter of uh, <clears throat> the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 35. <clears throat> To give you some context about what we're about to read, Jacob has finally gathered his family together to escape the clutches of his um, father-in-law, Laban, having been told by God to escape and to return to Bethel. That's where he had that great meeting with the Lord, you may recall, sleeping uh, with a stone under his head. Well, in the meanwhile, he's wrestled with an angel in Peniel. He survived a meeting with his uh, brother Esau and is almost ruined uh, by an ill-considered sojourn uh, among the Shechemites. But finally, he's back on track to Bethel when his favorite and beloved uh, wife, Rachel, dies in childbirth outside of Bethlehem. Let's read the text. Genesis 35, beginning at verse 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear For you have another son. But as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Ani. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. Um, It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. I believe God shows us in this text um, of Scripture some ways to find faith, to find faith in the midst of tragedy. Uh, Jacob found it. Rachel did not. It's an important lesson to learn because we don't live in that mythical, mythical land um, uh, of the land of Oklahoma where seldom has heard a discouraging word of the The skies are not cloudy all day. Uh, We live somewhere else. And uh, where from time to time uh, we may hear many uh, discouraging words and many difficult uh, things to to broach. Um, Sometimes the clouds of tragedy and misfortune break loose with floods of rain and hail. 
Because we're Christians, we believe in a sovereign God that rules over every occurrence in this world um, and has purposed all things uh, for our, our good and his own glory. Uh, to, to get that, we need, uh, open, we need to open our spiritual eyes and find the way of faith in the very midst, sometimes, of apparent tragedy. Um, so we begin. Oops, you got to turn it on. There we go. <clears throat> First of all, we find that the way of faith begins by seeking to actively build upon a faithful past. It shouldn't surprise us to see people who um, who uh, overcome deep waters, personal tragedies, or just go through hard days. Um, still strong in the Lord and even rejoicing um, are very typically those who have faithfully passed through previous difficulties trusting in the Lord. They have seen and taken note of uh, God's grace in their life and they've learned. They've learned to rest and trust in Him. Rachel was filled with bitterness and despair. She cries out with her dying breath, naming her son Ben-Oni, a son of my troubles, son of pain. And then she dies, apparently hopeless and angry, uh, and such as a negative example of my point. And I don't want to be uncharitable to a woman in the wretched circumstances of a faithful childbirth, uh, which was only too common in that uh, day and age. But in truth, Rachel is not presented to us throughout uh, the scriptures as a godly or faithful woman. Uh, we shouldn't be also rather surprised that she's not able to give her uh, male child a more graceful name and perhaps die a more peaceful death. Uh, Rachel, you may remember, was the youngest daughter of Jacob's uncle Laban with whom he took refuge after leaving his mother and father back in Canaan in order to escape the wrath of his brother Esau, whom he had tricked and cheated himself. Rachel was a beautiful woman. And because, uh, and, and actually she became uh, Jacob's favorite, but she was also a schemer and capable herself of great deceit. She was in good company with uh, the young Rachel, to be sure. Uh, she schemed against uh, Rach, uh, Jacob's rival wives. She schemed, schemed against her father, stealing his household gods or idols when Jacob fled from Laban. Uh, later, when confronted by her father, she boldly lies to his face. Rachel doesn't appear in Scripture to have had any faith in the true and living God. She apparently worshipped her father's idols, and when it comes to the place of death and despair, what help is there? What hope? We only see a picture of a pitiable woman in a pitiable situation. Uh, <clears throat> before the birth of her first child, she had screamed to Jacob, Give me children or I die. As if it was within his power to open and close the womb and give her what she desired. But now that she has children, um, but dies uh, after seeing uh, seeking to, to tag this second son with a name that would forever reflect her faithless uh, desperation. Faced with a terrible death, she does not turn in faith to God because that was not her custom. 
It was not part of her experience of what she knew how to do. Brothers and sisters, we go strong, we grow strong in faith by exercising that faith through time and practice. We don't swim through hurricanes if we have not first practiced swimming through small waves. Being faithful in small tests day in and day out. A, a weightlifter doesn't begin, uh, I, I know these sorts of things, of course, uh, with 300 uh, pound barbells. Um, he, he trains himself uh, working gradually and progressively to heavier weights over a period of time. Now, Jacob was not a man without many faults, not the least of them being his failure to instruct and guide his wife from um, her father's idolatry into the true religion. But Jacob was a man touched by grace, by God's grace, um, who through time and through many serious blunders had grown in faith and in the knowledge of God. Jacob was a man who wrestled with God. And on the day of sorrow, when he loses his beloved wife, he's able to rename that second son. He's not to be Ben-Oni, but Ben-Yamin, not the son of my sorrows, but the son of my right hand, the place of honor. Brethren, God gives his children who have been converted, who have been saved and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives them grace and strength uh, uh, in the hour of trouble. Um, That's true and something with which we can always comfort ourselves. But let no one suppose that without an existing relationship with Christ, he'll be able to do anything more than curse God and die. And let us not suppose that those who have not been faithful to Jesus, who have not sought his wisdom and strength in small things throughout his Christian life, is likely to do well when faced with big things. But those who have nurtured their relationship with the Lord over the years, those who have matured, those who have studied to present themselves approved to God, those uh, who have learned to confess and repent of their sins, those who have learned to, to rest in Christ and in His righteousness, they will have a powerful and familiar friend in the hour of their need. Salvation, uh, conversion, justification, That is an instantaneous forensic act, a declaration, as Pastor was speaking of this morning, of God's grace, whereby we're brought into a wonderful saving relationship with Christ. But maturity, steadfastness, spiritual strength, which is also all of grace, but that comes, even so, from a faithful walk with God that we need to walk. um, We need to walk through the through the wreckage of this sinful world with all of its disappointments and the way all of its bewitching pleasures. We find the way to faith, even perhaps especially, often in the face of tragedy, by building on the foundation, obediently laid um, through a faithful path. That's the first thing. By trusting Christ in little things we're prepared for greater things that God may cause to befall us. Now, I believe the second thing <clears throat> that we must uh, do um, in the midst of find faith's way, the way of faith in the midst of tragedy, see the big picture. 
uh, to strain to discern God's hand, God's purposes at work uh, in our in our lives. We need to get something of God's perspective in our circumstances, lest we're unable to see the forest from the trees. From a high vantage point, uh, the forest is magnificent and instructive. But from a low, slung, hot valley, it may present itself as nothing more than a loathsome place of suffering. Rachel had not eyes of faith and could not see beyond her death the bitterness and the desperation of her immediate circumstances. God in the Garden of Eden, Eden at the fall, addressed the woman Eve and said, I will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Rachel understood that. Uh, she wanted to name the baby Ben-Ani, pain of my sorrow. Uh, but did she know? Did she understand what God also said to the serpent, to Satan himself? And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and he will crush thy head. I will strike his heel. Now, did she know that God had a plan of, of which she was to play a part? To raise up a faithful seed, faithful children. I'm speaking of Rachel. Uh, who would love and serve God and would, would, who would one day, from, one, from, from which would one day come that, that, that seed who would crush uh, the head of the, of the serpent and deliver her soul from the grave? Probably not. It would not have been easy for her to understand that in that early moment of redemptive history. But Rachel had tasted of God's covenant mercies. Uh, and should have known better than to fall into utter despair. I don't think she saw herself as part of God's kingdom. I don't think she could see beyond the grave. I don't think that she had eyes of faith to see any hope for herself or even her son at all. But by the grace of God alone, Jacob did. Jacob saw God's covenant faithfulness in giving him his twelfth and final son to carry on the covenant <clears throat> made by God to his father, his grandfather Abraham. And he renames him Benjamin, Benjamin. Uh, you and I must never lose sight of our birthright as believers saved by grace. We must never lose uh, the hope of heaven and the resurrection to come. When everything else is lost, when everything else is taken from us, when our health fades away, which is certain, uh, but for the Christian who, is, um, who has Christ as his Savior, there's one thing that is always sure and certain, a certain possession, and that is your eternal hope in Christ in heaven. And that's a big part of what I mean by getting the bigger picture. The Apostle Peter surely understood this uh, when he wrote those wonderful words in his first epistle. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us uh, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, listen, which can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little 
while you uh, may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. It may result in praise and glory and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious faith, the salvation of your souls. What is that saying to us? It's saying that God is at work in the life of his people, preparing us and proving us and refining us by the fires of this life so that we'll be ready for heaven, which he's prepared for us, a heaven which is waiting. He doesn't trust it into our hands now. He's keeping it safe for us in heaven. It is guaranteed for us through Christ. Uh, we need to remember that and build our faith on that. We, we cannot always understand God's purposes in working through our lives, but we know that he's sovereignly at work. Uh, we know nothing uh, in our, our, we know that nothing in our lives occurs by, by chance. God is not a reckless, capricious, thoughtless uh, God uh, with the lives of his people. But he is a master craftsman, molding and shaping each of us for his own glory and for our ultimate good. Even things that are absolutely horrendous, those things he uses. Uh, if we can see that, if we believe that, uh, we can have a very different perspective in the midst of tragedy. And we see that around us, don't we? We see brothers and sisters who, who have faced uh, horrible circumstances and difficult uh, lives and with faith and with joy. And uh, we know they walk before and will walk into heaven uh, with uh, a great deal of expectation. Uh, if we can say with the Apostle Paul, I consider that my present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Well, that's a powerful perspective which can, tame, can change our attitude completely. Even now, even now, we can walk with a slightly different attitude. More than that, if we're caught up in tragedy, uh, we need to look for God's greater purposes and say to ourselves, I know God loves me. I know he saved me. I know he's not punishing me. What is God doing? Uh, what is his purpose? How can I learn and grow from this? Uh, how God might be using this? How might he be glorified by this? Remember, if you belong to Jesus, uh, then you are part of his loving purposes. And your life is a part of a great tapestry that God is weaving. And somehow your tragedy is part of that picture too. You and I need so much to, to look intently at that big picture. Um, on one hand, comforting ourselves with the certainty of heaven and eternity, while on the other, looking to see how God might be using this uh, in my life, for my growth and grace, maturity, for patience, for godliness, for gentleness with others, or for the benefit of those who are watching you, family and friends. Finally, there's one last thing <clears throat> that we must do to find faith way in uh, the midst of, of tragedy and trial. Um, and that is to remember the power of the resurrected Christ. 
Um, the way of unbelief is the way of Rachel, the way of bitterness and despair. Uh, but the way of faith will remember and rest upon the power of the resurrected Christ. Uh, we build tombs, as Jacob did for Rachel, in memory of uh, departed loved ones. But especially, we build them in the hope and the expectation of the resurrection power of Christ. Listen to these well-known verses in 2 Corinthians 4, beginning at the 7th verse. But we have these treasures in jars of clay. We are jars of clay and the treasure we have is the gospel and the power of the resurrected Christ. Uh, but we have this, uh, this treasure in, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing uh, power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, we are, but not crushed, uh, perplexed, but not uh, in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will raise us also with Jesus and present us uh, in his presence. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In other words, the same power that raised Christ from the grave is at work in our lives, brethren. That's what the Bible tells us, and that's been the testimony of God's people uh, through the ages. In fact, uh, God is at work in our lives, even and sometimes in the midst, especially in the midst of the most discouraging and most difficult circumstances. God delights to, to use the weak and the poor and the simple to do great and powerful things. The world is never impressed when great, powerful people do great, powerful things. They just yawn. Of course they did. They've got plenty of money. They've got plenty of everything. You know. but, when, but when someone who is, has nothing, someone who's very poor or someone who's very humble um, and, and doesn't use maybe even the power they have, when they see God's grace and great things coming from them, when they see someone who has nothing doing something wonderful, something gracious, uh, then people said, stand up and, and take notice, don't they? God delights to do that. God delights to raise from the ashes of tragedy wonderful trophies of power and grace. Finding faith's way means casting ourselves upon God that he might show his resurrection power and take pleasure in his glory. As the apostle said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Well, <clears throat> by way of conclusion, Charles Spurgeon once said that sad hearts have a peculiar skill in discovering the most disadvantageous point of view from which to gaze upon a trial. But faith, Faith's way of walking is to cast all cares upon the Lord and then to anticipate good results from the worst calamities. We must build on a faithful path. 
Learning obedience in small things. Training and being trained with small weights so that we're prepared for inevitably greater weights to come. We must see the big picture. Uh, remembering the reward of heaven that awaits us and seeking wisdom to understand how God might use these things profitably in our lives. And finally, we must never forget the power of the resurrected Christ, which the world cannot even understand. It seems absolutely absurd. But we see it at work uh, in our hearts and lives, and we see it in others. We are not orphans, but beloved sons, and we have at our disposal nothing less than the indwelling power of Jesus Christ that does great things and wonderful things in the lives of his people, sometimes when we least expect it. And always when we least deserve it. When the angry floods of prosperity ebb, just excuse me, when the floods of prosperity uh, <coughs> ebb, of faith uh, finds treasure hidden in the sands. When death appears, uh, faith points to the light of the resurrection beyond the grave, making our dying Ben Oni to be our living Benjamin. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, this little uh, little vignette that we have in the Old Testament that reminds us um, of, uh, of the way of faith. Um, Lord, we, we pray for a grace to uh, follow you faithfully and to rejoice and triumph in you each day. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.